Bill's going to press record then. So thank you very much, everyone. It's really good to see you all. If you want to put yourself on mute, that would be absolutely fabulous. Thank you very much. We do want to hear you, uh, but not at a time, delayed time. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, anyway, I'm not going to dig a hole anymore. Our <laughs> prayer meeting is happening this Wednesday at 8 o'clock on Zoom. That's going to be brilliant. We're going to be taking communion later. So hopefully you've got your elements ready at home. Sorry, Mum and Dad, I forgot to text you about that. So there's a, a little warning just for a little bit later as well. Now, we're all involved in the church, capital C, in uh, Nuneaton, aren't we? We're not just a church, we're the church as well. And the ministers this week on a Wednesday uh, were chatting about what we can do to help the hospital, George Elliott Hospital. So someone had come up with the idea of giving a hamper to every ward or every department. And so we thought that would be a good idea. So uh, I've ordered two hampers for on behalf of NCF, and they're going to go to Arbury Lodge and the pharmacy, just so you know. Now, I'm going to get them by next week, but I thought it would be a brilliant idea, if you want to take part, to write uh, a letter, like with a pen, uh, rather than just type it, write a letter to people at the hospital and say encouraging things or sending a prayer to them. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be from the churches in the Neaton. So on the box, it's not going to say from the Neaton Christian Fellowship, but from the church in the Neaton or the churches in the Neaton. So if you want to get involved and write something, uh, sort of a small card of encouragement for the staff that are working there, let me have it by Friday because that's when the boxes should come. Or if you're not in a way of putting it through my door, then let me know and I'll come and pick it up from your house on Friday because that'll be the day I'm delivering onwards anyway. So if you want to say something, make it by Friday. But it's best to be handwritten. Maybe just put your Christian name or make it anonymous. Don't put your surname as well so people can't say, oh, this is who it was from. Do you know what I mean? That's probably a better way of doing it. So that's just us, but there's lots of churches getting involved and hopefully all the wards and the departments in the hospital in George Elliot will be uh, blessed through that. And just to clarify, this is for the staff, not the patients. Yeah, this is definitely for the staff, not the patients, because the patients, they uh, will be in and out, hopefully, <laughs> but we're not anticipating them being there that long. But the staff have been working for ages and ages and ages really hard for us, the community, aren't they? So we're just thinking the churches in the Neaton can just send something to encourage the staff. So thank you very much. That's exactly it. OK, if you want to know any more, ask me afterwards or send me a text or an email and I can let you know much more about it if you want to know. Like I say, to Arbury Lodge and the pharmacy. So if you want to write into one in particular, just put Arbury Lodge or the pharmacy or something. Or if you want to write to both, Put two notes in for me and that'll be brilliant. Thank you very much. There's going to be breakout rooms at the end so you can chat with others and uh, catch up with what's going on. Lovely. Now, we're going to sing together in a moment, but let's just pray and say thank you, Lord, for who you are. So, Lord, we do say thank you that we can gather together to worship you. And that's our intention today, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us, Lord to focus on you and to give everything that we have to you. Amen. Amen.
So, if you want to stand and sing, you're welcome. I can't because I'm playing this one. So, we're going to sing There's a Song That's Rising Up Inside. We celebrate.
Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, that on a day when so many people think about love, you did so much more than send a card. You came to earth. You physically and mentally helped people. You saw beautiful things, but you also got involved in gritty and uncomfortable situations. When hope seemed to be lost, you often changed impossible situations around. Thank you that you are still doing that. When we don't understand the bigger picture of where we are in life, help us to trust you, the living and faithful God. I want to know you much more, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the good shepherd. You laid down your life for us. Thank you that you gave everything for us. Thank you, Jesus, that in your resurrection, we see your power. But we also know that your resurrection proves your presence with us and your provision for us. Thank you, God, for heat in our homes, as well as the shoes that we wear and the clothes that fill our wardrobes and drawers. Thank you for providing us with more than material things. Thank you for the hope we have for our futures. You don't disappoint. You don't dismay. You lift up the broken. You turn our mourning and sorrow into dancing and feasting. Thank you, God, that over 15 million people have had the first dose of their COVID vaccine. Thank you for the success of this programme so far. Thank you for our Queen. Thank you that she talks about you. Will you bless Elizabeth and Philip today as they go about their own normal lives? Will you help our government to use the data from the census that is taking place next month? As the government's budget is devised and then published next month as well, will you help those in authority to think about the marginalised, the downtrodden, and those who are sick, hungry and alone? We look to you for the future. You are our hope. As we see you deliver people from bondage, will you help us to pray bigger prayers, knowing that our ideas are often so small? Colossians 2, 13, 15 says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Thank you that we are changed people, Lord, because of you. We thank you sincerely, God. Amen. Amen. So let's sing together again. We're going to sing, I've tried in, tried in vain a thousand times.
Our reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. And I'm reading from the NIV. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men, who have caused trouble all over the world, have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Nick speaking this morning. If you look around, he's not joining us, but, you know, the magic of video and all that. Several weeks ago, he um, made a couple of videos for us. By the way, he's not being shy in the video. You'll know what I mean when you see it. But before we uh, listen to Nick, we're going to sing Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Test our thoughts 
thy grace will stand on your promises, and by faith we'll walk as we walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built, and the earth is filled with your epistles called 1 and 2 Thessalonians. So this morning we're going to look at a bit of the background of these two, these two letters. One of the reasons for that is that if we look at the story in Acts, there is an event that happens which I think is one of the most important events in Western civilization, and I'm not exaggerating, and it's often overlooked. So we're going to be looking at that this morning. Now, you recognize the map here of the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, this bit here is Greece, and Thessalonica is up here, this north part of Greece up here. This is what is now Turkey, and, and Jerusalem is down here. In the story of Acts, we have Paul working out of Antioch here, and the first missionary journey, he sets out with Barnabas from Antioch, they go to Cyprus, they come up, they come round here, back to Cyprus, and back to Antioch. It's important to realise that Barnabas was probably seen as senior to Paul. He was older and been around a bit longer, better known, so he was probably the senior one of the party. After a while, Paul and Barnabas decided it would be a good idea to go back and visit these churches that they'd set up again. So they plan a second trip to go along with the, 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 to visit the churches they had set up. Unfortunately, there was a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas about who they should take with them. And the Bible records that this was so severe, they decided to separate and they would not do the same trip together. So Barnabas sets out without Paul to revisit the people in Cyprus and come around here. And Paul is left on his own toddsome, wondering what to do. So he decides he's going to go on a second missionary journey and to go in an entirely separate direction. The point I want to pick out here is we're moving towards what was a seminal point, an extremely important point in the whole of Western civilization, not to mention the New Testament, and it started off with a disagreement and uh, a problem. So how do we apply that to our lives? Well, we're all living in COVID at the moment, and I'm sure we've all had lots of disagreements and lots of problems and things not gone the way they've wanted to. Let's stand back a bit sometimes and realize that God often works through our disappointments and our problems and turns around for something different. So the second missionary journey leading to this very important moment starts with a problem. So let's carry on reading in Acts 15. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derby and Istria, 
A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but whose father was Greek. So he went from uh, Cilicia there, up here, up into here, to Derby here. Now, the next important thing to realise is that this, the culture of this part of the world was very, uh, I wouldn't say divided, but certainly very segmented. This part here, Syria, uh, Damascus, down to Jerusalem, was certainly governed by the Romans, but it was very dominated by the Jews. They had a huge influence in this area. This part here, around here, is also governed by the Romans. The Jews have less influence, but they have considerable influence. The language of both these areas, the common language, would have been Greek. Um, Paul was brought up in Tarsus here, which we would see as the area that was more Greek than Jewish, but have a strong Jewish influence, as opposed to this part here, which would be at least as Jewish as uh, Roman or Greco-Roman. So Paul travels into the area that he's familiar with, and at Derby here, um, he's still building his team because remember he's lost. He's got to have a new team. He wants to take this chap Timothy with him. Now Timothy's mother was Jewish, but his father was Greek. This means that he is allowed to be a Jew because uh, his mother was Jewish. Um, but he's certainly going to have trouble uh, going into synagogues and places like that because he's not circumcised. So Timothy um, is circumcised. Some people have had problems with this and said, why, why did Paul circumcise Timothy when they've already had statements from the, the, the Christian Jews in Jerusalem that Gentiles don't need to be circumcised? Well, the answer is very simple. If you look at Jews, um, uh, Timothy, uh, Paul's method of evangelism, he always went to the local synagogues. And his way was to go to a town, go to the synagogue and talk to the Jews, try and bring them to the Lord and then through them bring the local Gentiles to the Lord. He couldn't have gone to the synagogues with Timothy if Timothy had not been circumcised. But this tells us something. It tells us that Paul was still looking to outreach through the Jews. He was his his mission still was to the Gentiles. Yes, but through the Jews. So he takes with him Timothy, still planning to, for this method of outreach. So verse four, uh, they went on their way through the cities and delivered to them the observance and decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Judaism, i.e. you didn't have to be circumcised. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and increased in numbers daily. They went through the regions of Phrygia and Galatia. Here's uh, Phrygia here and Galatia. So Paul travels up here like this. So he's about here. And this is interesting. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. This is Asia. So Paul finds himself here now and he's told by God he can't go that way. Why? Well, we don't know why, but what we do know is this is where all the churches of Revelation were. This is the island of Patmos. And we know that John on the island of Patmos had a lot to say to these people. So it may well have been the fact that God is saying, you don't have to go there. I've got that covered. So poor old Paul is now here 
Um, these are the churches that he uh, went to on the first missionary journey. He's now here and he's told he can't go down here. Oh, well, that's a problem. So when they had come to Mycia, which is up here, they attempted to go to Bithynia up here. But the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Oh, so this was a problem when he left. This was a problem. You can't go that way. And now he's told he can't go that way. Why was this? Well, we don't know, but we do know that the letter of Peter, the first letter of Peter, starts off with greetings to the Christians in this part of the world as well. So God is probably saying, I got that covered. Don't need you to go there. So Paul now finds himself along here, literally with nowhere to go. So this second missionary journey is not going too well. He's been able to visit uh, initial churches. He's been stopped from going here and he's been stopped from going there. So uh, poor old Paul, what does he do now? Uh, this is by no means a great success. So passing by Mycia here, they went down to Troas, as it says in Acts 16. Now, just notice the word they went down to Troas. Up to this point here, the uh, Acts has been Acts of the Apostles has been written in the third person. They, he, that, they, he. In other words. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night up somewhere around here as they went down to Troas. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him to come, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us and when Paul had seen the vision immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them now why is this important now we and us and the answer is because Luke has now joined them so Luke joins the apostles joins Paul here in Troas why is that important Luke was a Gentile. Why is that important? Because if this was strongly influenced by Jews in a Greek culture, they now cross across to Greece here. And this is a complete change of culture. It's like going to a different planet. And Paul takes Luke with him. Why is that important? Because here, at this point, the gospel was taken outside of Asia and taken to Europe and it was in Europe for the next 2,000 years that the gospel grew. Now we know uh, that there were Christ uh, um, Christians here uh, other than Paul because we have those from Rome but this was the big moment when from this point on the gospel is being uh, given primarily to Gentiles being given over to Greece and here is Thessalonica over here and what else did Luke do? Luke, as a Gentile, wrote Acts of the Apostles. And Luke, as a Gentile, wrote the Gospel of Luke. So a huge, huge uh, change in the way things are developing from Troas here. But please remember, it followed a disappointment here, a disappointment here, and a disappointment here. Often, God works through disappointments. We'll look at the next part um, in the next part of this talk.
reason that I live, the reason that I sing, with all my Thank you, Lord, that we belong to you because of what you've done for us. Lord, it was totally all of you. And we are so grateful, Lord, that wherever we find ourselves, whatever is happening, you are with us. You love us. You are faithful. We can trust in you. Amen. Amen. So Nick's going to speak again by the wonders of science and uh, don't adjust your sets. The map is slightly out of focus. Don't worry about that. There's still plenty to listen to and it's just over five minutes anyway. So it's going to be great. Plenty of good truths. Just close your eyes if the map kind of annoys you. OK, so it's from here, this point in Troas. Uh, otherwise known as Troy, that Paul sets sail across the sea here and really launches himself into the complete unknown. But let's look a little bit at the events leading to this momentous decision and remind ourselves that it was back here that this missionary journey came out of an argument, which would have been very distressing to Paul. Then he comes up to here and he wants to turn left into Asia. And he's told he can't. Then he's told from here he wants to go right into Bithynia. And he's told he can't. And he ends up in Troas. Here he has the vision of the Macedonian man saying, come across to Macedonia and help us. But up until that point, it would have been difficult to have seen this as a successful journey. And I'm sure Paul was feeling pretty low and pretty confused at this point. He was not to know that this part of Asia, from God's point of view, was well catered for. These churches were going to be planted. Uh, we have the reference to John on the island of Patmos. Patmos is here. Um, and then we have the reference in, in 1 Peter 1, talking about the Christians in Bithynia. So God knew that these areas were catered for. Paul didn't know that. He would have been feeling uh, not too bright at that point here in, in Troas. But this remarkable change, when he takes Luke with him, Luke is really a, uh, we can see him as, as much a Greek philosopher, he's called a physician, but the two would have gone pretty closely together. Um, Paul uh, sails across here to Philippi with a half Greek, uh, Timothy, and a, a Gentile, uh, a Greek, who is Luke. And then from there, they go to Philippi. Coming to Philippi is different. There is no synagogue. Paul can't do his usual thing, go to the synagogue, talk to the Jews and debate and argue with them. There aren't any. So he finds a Jewish group by the side of the river. And remarkable things start happening. There is a, a great reception for the gospel in Philippi. It ends up with Paul being beaten with rods and in prison overnight. You have the story of the Philippian jailer. Great success, but persecution and pain for Paul. Paul then moves across to Thessalonica. Here there are uh, 
a synagogue and Paul uses his usual method of going into the synagogue and talking to the Jews and the Jewish uh, groups in Thessalonica take up uh, Paul's message and there's a great uh, work in Thessalonica but again it ends in problems and persecutions and Jason is pulled out um, by the authorities and made to pay a high price for being part of the Christian group. So then Paul goes to, to Berea where there's a great uptake and from then down to Athens and Corinth and then back to Jerusalem. So we see nothing but the gospel increasing from Philippi onwards after this momentous decision uh, in Troas to, to literally go into outer space. What I'd like us to take away from that this morning is that this tremendous change, this huge success from Troas onwards, follows those three great disappointments, an upset, a disagreement, a row, if you like, um, here in Antioch, um, being forbidden to follow their plans here, being forbidden to follow their plans there, and ending up down here must have been quite a low point. When we're feeling low and we're feeling that things aren't going well and we're feeling that maybe uh, God is not watching over us so much as perhaps we would like him to, maybe we should be thinking a little bit more that God knows what he's doing. He has a much bigger plan. His plan is overlooking uh, much more than ours, ours is. Paul didn't know that at that time, but we can see today the incredible, remarkable change in the whole fortune of the Christian faith from that moment in Troas onwards where the Christian message became prim primarily one for the Gentiles rather than a Jewish version of uh, Christianity where the gospel was spread far far wider than it would otherwise have been. Paul wasn't to know that at that time but let's not be frightened of a seeming failure. Let's not be frightened of seeming difficulties. Let's hold on to the fact that God knows what he's doing and he is carrying us forward. These things are in his hand. He is sovereign and he, he will lead his people onwards to the place that he wants them to be. Thank you, Lord, that we can stand on that truth, Lord, that you are for us and not against us. When life is difficult, and we know it is for all of us at various times, sometimes for a long time, it's difficult. We know that you are the good shepherd. You are with us. You love us. You are for us. And we see that so much as we take communion in a few minutes. We see your love for us, not just 2000 years ago, but today as well. So thank you for your continued love for all of us, Lord. Thank you for your dependability. Amen. Amen. Only by grace can we enter, only by grace.
just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Thank you, Lord, that you bid us to come to you. Thank you, Lord, that we can share and learn and be with each other, other people that know you. Thank you, Lord, that where we were dead in our sins, you have broken and cancelled that charge. We are not condemned anymore. You have nailed that to the cross. And we are so thankful, God. Thank you for the new life without condemnation. So let's share the bread and wine together. We're going to share the bread first, remembering how Jesus gave physically, not just spiritually for us, physically. His body was broken. He died for us. Let's just think in our hearts what's happened this week that we can glorify God for. What's happened this week that we need to say, sorry, Lord, I totally messed up there. So just have a quiet conversation just with God, just for 10 or 15 seconds. So sorry, Lord, for the things we did do and shouldn't have done. And for the things we didn't do and we should have done. Help us, Lord, this new week to see you in it, to live our lives for you again, putting you at the centre. Thank you, Lord, for your shed blood, your changing in us. We are very grateful. So let's take the wine together as well. Thank you, Lord, for the plans we've made, not just for the coming year, and we've all made plans for those, but for this afternoon, this evening and this coming week. We give them to you, Lord, and say we don't understand the bigger picture so often in our lives. We don't see how we're influencing other people. Lord, we trust you for that bigger picture, that you will put us in the right place not just for the good of ourselves, but for the beauty and the love we can give to other people, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are 
above all things and you see all things and yet you see the intricate details of all our lives too. You know what makes us tick and we're grateful Lord that you're with us whether we're walking through a shadow of the valley of death or if we're walking on a mountaintop and the sun is shining beautifully. Thank you Lord that you love us and that you're with us. Amen. We're going to sing one more song together then. I raise a hallelujah and I like this. Uh, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. I don't know if you've sung in the middle of the coldness. I've been out a few times this week and trying to sing and rejoice in the Lord when my little uh, scarves are wrapped around me and I've got big thick gloves on. And I'm saying, Lord, this is a bit chilly. And he just says, oh, look over there. Look at this. And my eyes are lifted and my heart is lifted for that. So as we sing in the middle of the storm, perhaps this week, let's say, Lord, thank you that we are with you and you're with us. And together things can change.
Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement it has been today to meet with you and to meet with others. Thank you for the word that Nick brought. Help us, Lord, not just to see the bigger picture or want to see the bigger picture, to put our hand in your hand, to put your yoke upon us and learn from you this week, Lord. We trust you. You are faithful. Amen. Amen. Amen.